This episode of The Protocol is sponsored by the Stellar Community Fund. Dive deep into the blockchain realm with The Protocol Podcast with Coindesk founding editor of The Protocol Newsletter, Brad Count, and tech journalists, Sam Kessler and Margot Nykirk. They unravel the intricate technologies powering cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, one block at a time. Just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hello and welcome to the Protocol Podcast. I'm Brad Cowan here with my co-hosts Margot Nykirk and Sam Kessler. Please do not forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Protocol, on Coindesk.com. And this week, it is our last episode of the Protocol Podcast of the year. How are you feeling about that, Margo? You know, I I can't believe we're here. I remember us, you know, having meetings at the beginning of or end of August, scrambling to figure out what are we going to do on this podcast. And here we are at the end of this quarter. I don't know. How about you, Sam? Yeah. Here we are, still scrambling to figure out what to do on this podcast. You know what I'm thinking about? It's amazing in such a short time we've built such an incredible podcast. Partly thanks to our producer, Michelle Musso, who's helping us on every episode. Yeah. Sounds smart. But and also, <laughs> and also our loyal listeners who love to, you know, give us reviews. So keep giving us some reviews. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for saying that, Margo. And that yeah. is true. Well, okay, so we do have a special holiday episode today, and we are going to keep it short because it is the deadest point of the year, and nobody likes to work. Probably, maybe, I guess people do want to listen to a blockchain tech podcast because it is actually super interesting stuff, but we're going to have mercy on you and let you get back to, I don't know, what being around your family, although maybe we might be respite from your family. Uh, <laughs> you can listen to your podcast. Use that as an excuse to get away. But all right. So what we're going to do today, we are doing 2024 predictions for blockchain tech trends and projects, you know? So, all right. So first in the first segment, we're going to feature projects that we've got our eyes on going into 2024. We're each going to give one and then we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get, do trends that each of us uh, is keeping an eye on. So, all right, let's get started here. Sam, we're going to go to you first. Surprised. All right. Yeah. I, try to keep it real. The keep first you on your toes here. The first um, We don't want to <laughs> give Margo a break. She had to go first on the, uh, the 2020, 2023 year in review show. So we're going to make you go first on this one. So anyway, all right. What is your project? The project that I'm looking out for is Suave, um, which is the new, they call it a preference market that's supposed to at least come out in testnet form um, in the next um, couple of months or a few months from Flashbots, the Ethereum research and development firm focused on maximal extractable value, um, which is a mouthful. But anyway, um, what Suave is, is essentially taking Flashbots' learnings from that whole space of MEV that I just mentioned, where people kind of front run and back run and sandwich attack Ethereum transactions before they're finalized on chain to make extra money. They're taking everything they learned from building um, MEV Boost, the big middleware that powers 95% or so of the validators that run Ethereum, and they're putting it into this more like chain agnostic um, platform called Suave that essentially allows people or more likely blockchains and blockchain-based services 
to issue preferences. So I want to do X, Y, and Z. And then a whole community of fillers, a marketplace can bid in these, these auctions to um, satisfy these preferences, to fill them, to fill the orders on behalf of the users, um, whether they be blockchains or traders um, of, of, the, of the Suave platform. And the reason why I'm highlighting it is because, well, FlashFoss is a super interesting company. It's been super important, interesting company protocol project. I don't know what FlashFoss calls themselves now, collective. Um, but it's a really interesting group that we've been focusing on over the past couple of years. You really achieve dominance at a certain level of the Ethereum stack, for better or for worse. And with this swap program, they're moving forward with this trend of intents, although they don't call it that, which we've talked about. You can look it up on the podcast before, where a lot of programs, this being one of the ones that's going to be at the forefront, are moving in this direction of helping people navigate through blockchains by kind of offloading some of the routing and like the difficult things that one would need to do to third-party operators. It's all kind of confusing, but I think that they're definitely going to be something that we talk about a ton more um, in 2024. As your editor, I would say, I want to see some major stories about that, Sam. Major stories. Uh, Flashbots is is so interesting in terms of it's it's like all of Wall Street, sort of where it fits in this automated world of, you know, super fast trading and transaction ordering and you know, the whole concept of rent seeking sort of, you know, fits into that topic. But um, yeah, uh, anyway, yeah, that's a super interesting one, Sam. Okay, uh, Margo, what about you? Yeah, so the project or projects to I think that we should be looking out for are the data availability solution. Celestia's mainnet went live earlier this year. But, you know, we still are waiting for Avail and EigenDA to come out with their own data availability. Um, solutions. So to backtrack it a little bit, there's been all this network activity on layer twos, but not enough space for blockchain data to be stored. And so these alternative layers have come out, I guess, starting this year, where you can have that transaction data stored and, and prove that a certain transaction or able to show that there's that that transactional data is available. You know, we've seen a lot happened with Celestia over the last couple of weeks. Like it literally just went live and they're already partnering up with Polygon. Avail was a previous project from Polygon. EigenDA, which is the data availability solution coming out of Eigenlayer, is also, you know, something I think we should look out for. Eigenlayer has had also a lot of noise around it with restaking, but we're not going to get into that right now. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of layer twos sort of come out with their preferred or their initial data availability solution especially as there's a push for more and more users to transact on these layer twos and to move away from Ethereum. Um, But, you know, where is this data going to be uh, held? And so, um, you know, maybe we'll see another narrative around how these layer twos are competing, but within the DA space. So I'm really going to be looking forward to, you know, seeing what solutions succeed. What are the main players? And I, I think we're starting to see that form already. That is super. Yeah, I mean, our colleague Oliver Knight, wrote about how people in crypto markets are playing the the Celestia's TIA TIA token yeah as a play on this on this explosion of the modularity thesis as they call it so you know it's kind of like an early glimpse of what to your point Margo what we might be seeing a lot more of next year uh okay so i'm going to do bitcoin that is going to be my <laughs> project i mean it's a big topic 
But, you know, Bitcoin, look, it's we spend a lot of our time covering Ethereum and, you know, all these L1s, alt L1s and, and this whole, you know, everything else that's not Bitcoin. It, you know, if you just look at the markets, Bitcoin remains, you know, the 800 pound gorilla, broadly speaking, in blockchain. You know, it is the market cap of Bitcoin is worth more than every other cryptocurrency combined, you know. Um, that's what they mean when they talk about the Bitcoin dominance ratio being north of 50%. There's a lot of people who really care about it. I mean, we see it here, you know, all the Bitcoin stories, get all the hits, you know, the Bitcoin rally is getting all the attention. Bitcoin is the, you know, has name brand recognition. Everybody, you know, people, if they could name one in cryptocurrency, it's going to be Bitcoin. But, you know, on the tech side, it is super interesting, you know. I mean, they have they they get the knock as being slow, but there's a lot happening. I mean, we talked in the year in review show about ordinals, which you know the takeaway there is you know that was like putting NFTs and tokens on Bitcoin. Whether you think that's a good use for the Bitcoin you know chain or not, what that showed is it is possible. You can do a lot of stuff with the Bitcoin blockchain. People can figure it out, you know. Um, you know, they get the knock on the energy consumption, which they're going to have to figure that out. You know, I've, you know, basically, it's kind of my perspective is like, if it's just going to be invented, if you're just going to invent money, why do you want to, you know, have to dig up a bunch of fossil fuels and burn it? You know, it seems like there's a more efficient way. But anyway, maybe that's, you know, I don't think there's any roadmap there that changes that. That's the way it is for now. But um, you know, the Bitcoin halving is going to be a huge story in blockchain. You know, people are now talking about the investment cycle with the mining rigs and people, you know, you're going to either have to get, you know, invest in these new mining rigs or you're going to get left behind because you're not going to be economical enough. And, you know, people talking about the, the I've got the lightning network here on my notes I made to myself for this, you know, different L2s people might be working on. There's all sorts of stuff. That is going to be super interesting on Bitcoin next year. And there's a lot of people who really are, are care about it. The Bitcoin ETFs, if those get approved, there's going to be even more focus on what is actually Bitcoin, you know, and what can it do versus all these other networks. Anyway, we'll just leave it at that and we'll go for a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about big trends that we see being hot in 2024. Have a blockchain project idea and need funding to make it happen? Look no further. The Stellar Community Fund is here to help bring your project to life on the Stellar Network. This year alone, over $10 million in XLM awards have been allocated across more than 100 innovative projects. And your idea could be next. Approved project submissions can receive up to $100,000 in XLM per project. So head over to communityfund.stellar.org to get started. Coindesk's Money Reimagined with Michael Casey and Sheila Warren. I want to push back slightly on the idea that cash 
the value of it. I mean, that's what FX markets are about, right? Is like arbitraging differences in cash value. And there's a whole gigantic market around currency exchanges. And so I think there that we do see trading that happens in cash. But to your point, you know, the use of cash as a means of payment, etc., is pretty robust and sticky as a concept. And I think the joke is always, you know, if cash didn't exist, no one would invent it. But hey, it, it does exist. And so that's the world that we're in. Look, there is a crypto angle in this. Our job is not to sit here as either geopolitical or conflict resolution commentators, but it matters to everybody, every human being. Given how horrific this story is, the fact that there was an order to shut down crypto accounts used by Hamas and that Binance came in to cooperate with that, of course, is yet another negative story around crypto. Take the frame from wherever you want to take it, but by remaining silent, about bad actors in our industry, about criminal behavior, about terrorists, about whatever it is. And we're just focusing on the topic of our show, but I mean this more generally. By remaining silent, we are complicit. You heard what she had to say. Go out there, call spades, spades, stand up for what is right. Like just, it's time to to stop shirking the responsibilities we have. And yeah. it's just time to just stand up for what's right. Listen to Money Reimagined every Wednesday on the Coindesk Podcast Network. You can subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. All right. We're going to get right into it. Uh, Industry trends. Sam, what do you got? Yeah. So we've seen a lot of industry trends over the past year. But moving into next year, one of the things that I really, you know, expect to see growing that we have talked about has just been real world assets and the growth of tokenization and all of those things coming onto blockchains as institutions increasingly signal their willingness to, you know, adopt blockchain technology and adjacent tech into their own system. So I mean, this is something they talk about every single year they now being us included. I do think, and maybe Brad, you'll talk a little bit about this later on. There are absolutely some roadblocks, um, be they regulatory or technical or ideological in the way of getting real world assets, bonds, stocks, real estate, contracts onto blockchains. There are those roadblocks in the way. But I do think that this past year, um, and particularly the news that we expect to see, I, I don't know if it'll come out by the time we we um, release this podcast, but um, it could happen, you know, as soon as tomorrow with the regulatory approval of the first spot Bitcoin ETF. Um, we are seeing a recently a warming, if not of you know all regulators, of some big financial institutions towards blockchain technology, and in parallel, we're seeing firms like Coinbase, for example, being the most recent example, or being the most um, recent instance of this happening where Coinbase has said that they are going to create an on-ramp that is regulatory friendly for off-chain assets to be traded or at least tokenized and used in some manner on blockchains. So, you know, it's really hard to predict what other things will happen in order to pave the way for this to actually really break through in 2024. But it does feel like we are kind of like on the precipice of, if not new products and actual real-world assets making it um, on-chain, we'll know in the next year or at least have a better picture in the next year of whether that's actually the way that blockchains are are going to find mainstream adoption long, long term. Yeah, super interesting. I mean, again, it's like, um, that is, you know, a lot of people think that that is the 
that is the real tipping point for Bitcoin is when Wall Street shows up. Our editor-in-chief, Kevin Reynolds, is very focused on that uh, trend. Um, and for good reason, all the, the, the knock on that one is people have been predicting it for a long time, and it just it seems to take longer. But, you know, I mean, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, they all got skunk works. And they're not even skunk works anymore. You know, JP Morgan supposedly has like 300 people working in their Onyx division. But uh, okay, Margo, what do you got? Big trend coming 2024. Yeah, I think we're not done with ZK in 2024. And I know I sound kind of like a broken record on this podcast about ZK, but you know, that's because it's a it's a big topic. And I think maybe some of these bigger projects like Polygon and Matter Labs and Scroll, I mean, they're just getting started, right? So they're bringing in partnerships and they're making their technology available for others to build. When I spoke to Jordy for Most Influential, he said that he thinks next year is just going to be an explosion of ZK. And, and also in terms of some of the things that Sam was talking about, real world assets, being able to prove certain things exist on chain. And that's where like zero knowledge would perfectly come into it because you don't want all that available out there for everyone. But to show that it exists is what it's, you know, it's what that technology is there for. So it's hard to know a year from now, you know, what, whether we're still talking about zero knowledge, but at least I think within the next first quarter, maybe the first two quarters, we're still going to be talking about this type of technology. Yeah. For us covering this stuff day in, day out, ZK is, you know, we, we, we're, we're immersed in it. We write about it all the time. I mean, at some point, it, theoretically, it could be, to your point, Margo, it, it could be like, I don't know. I mean, who knows if it'll be mainstream, but a lot of people might have heard that term, ZK. You know, yeah. I mean, context. We, we also have to remember that zero knowledge has been around in different contexts, right? Like, like this was a computer science topic from, I don't want to put a time frame on it because quite frankly, I don't know. But I know before the year 2000, like people were writing about zero knowledge. So maybe it becomes simpler and simpler and more mainstream. Who knows? All right. That's super interesting. Um, thank you, Margo. All right. So uh, for my topic, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to our, our former colleague, Noel Atchison, uh, who sort of coached me on this concept of just repeatedly asking the question, is crypto ready? I don't really know if I'm ready to answer that question. I feel like some way we're going to get an answer to that question. I mean, the real question is what could potentially put blockchain broadly writ to a major stress test? You know, and what I think about is like, look at what happened with Zoom and COVID. You know, Zoom was around. Some people used it. It was pretty cool. And then all of a sudden, it became our way of life. It was a household word. It was a way of traveling from one city to another, from one continent to another, or really just from, you know, here to downtown, you know, from the suburbs. You know, like everybody was using Zoom for everything. All of a sudden, because we needed it, you know, um, I guess that that's kind of what I think about blockchain is when does that moment come for blockchain? And, you know, I mean, you have to be, you know, my wife accuses me of being um, apocalyptic or, you know, uh, but, you know, like, look, the economy is in the weirdest shape right now. None of the numbers make any sense. You know, if you look at Treasury Department finances, it's a mess. The Federal Reserve, you know, they're doing all sorts of things and we have inflation and, you know, a lot of people kind of, we, we have po political division, 
you know, there's global geopolitical tensions, lots of conflicts that are just really divide. I mean, just look at the, you know, the, the UPenn, you know, president, like there's just like lots of sort of third rail issues out there. Confidence in government is waning, you know, just like the Argentina devaluation, 50%. There's all sorts of stuff happening that could potentially cause us to be like, we need a new financial system and we need it now. And so then is blockchain ready? You know, uh, we have these blockchains, they're getting faster and faster. We've got all these L2s to take on a lot of the chains. We've got, you know, ecosystems of blockchains. And now we've got, you know, interoperability. You know, Sam, you and I have talked about interoperability. As a concept, it's been around, but, you know, maybe it's it's getting more traction in a different way now in terms of we have all this exploding number of blockchains and you want to get from this blockchain to that blockchain. Is that all going to get connected? You know, I was looking at a prediction from A16Z, big VC firm that does a lot of crypto stuff. They're predicting that the user interfaces will get a lot better for these blockchains. I mean, right now, there's so, like, no normie can really use blockchain. I mean, you have to be really into it to kind of figure it out. I mean, or at least maybe should, people aren't using it. I mean, you know, think about how many problems people had with Zoom when they first started, but then they were forced to use it and they figured it out. It got better. So they, you know, got better at using it, you know, and then it's just like a click uh, at some point. Anyway. I think that'll be an interesting story if if that test comes for blockchain. Is blockchain ready? I don't I'm not going to make a call on that. I don't know if it's what do you think Margo? You think blockchain is ready for this for its zoom moment? It's it's hard to know. It's really hard to know. I, you know, on the one hand it moves very fast, on the other hand the rest of the world is slow to adopt. So, I think it's it's dependent on a number of factors. I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are in terms of where we are in our world. And so maybe that existentiality doesn't mean that blockchain gets adopted that fast. But I, but I also think it depends on, you know, are we coming out of winter? What's happening with this technology? Is it getting easier to use? And are we done with the scamminess of the industry, right? I think we've been so plagued by all these scams. And we just had, you know, we just wrapped up the SBF trial. And, you know, there's a bunch of other guys that, bad guys that need to, you know, have their day in court as well over the next few months. So it's really hard to know. I I also don't have an answer for that. One thing that I'll add on the UX end of it is just to say, I I think it's in, it it continues to be, it's almost increasingly unclear whether crypto is going to be this sort of thing um, that many, you know, early um, ideologues envisioned it as, which is this network that individuals like us interact with to trade, to play video games or, or whatever. Or is it going to be kind of infrastructure that just lands in the background behind big banks? Putting aside the, you know, ideological, again, um, just away for a moment, maybe UX is just a matter of making this technology approachable enough for those institutions. So at least there's some kind of mainstream adoption, whether that's the kind of mainstream adoption people want to see or envisioned in the early days. I don't know, but it doesn't necessarily mean better wallet UIs. Yeah. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, one thing we can be sure of is that uh, the Protocol Podcast will be covering this week in, week out. And that is it for this week. That is it for this year. Wow. Uh, what a year it's been. I don't know if I can handle another one. 
but I don't have any choice. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for listening to the protocol podcast. If you have any questions about any stories or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com subject line, the protocol, big shout out to our producer, Michelle Musso. Happy new year to everybody. Best of luck. Uh, best wishes in 2024. I hope everybody has a great year. Uh, you can listen to us weekly on Coindesk Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Protocol, on Coindesk.com. Thanks, everyone. 